God give me a sermon today, and it's a salvation message. And I look around in here, and I can look at each one of you and say, you know what? I believe you're all saved, but there's a reason. Every time that we step to this podium, I pray, God, you give us the words to say the message that you want us to give to these people. And this is what he gave me for today. In Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 37. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? I'm in the New King James version of the Bible. It says Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed this house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I want to preach for a few moments with the subject, it won't be long. It won't be long. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the seed, Lord, you've given us today. I'm asking you, Lord, to go deep into our hearts. Let it grow, Lord. Let it grow. Let it grow. Let it find fertile ground in our hearts. I ask you, Lord, open our eyes and open our ears that we can see and hear what you'd have to say to us today. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross, Lord, that I can speak, that I can speak what you would have me to say. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Would you say amen if you agree with that prayer? Hallelujah, you can be seated. Hallelujah. How many remember... There was a show, and I'm not sure on television what the, uh, where it come on, maybe USA or something like that, a show by the name of Monk. Anybody remember that show, Monk? The Monk's a funny show. It's a detective show, and uh, he's supposed to be the best detective. I think they're in San Francisco. He's quirky. He's got all these phobias. He's got, uh, but he always gets his bad guy. You know, he's got all these things. He can't touch anything. He's a germaphobe, all these different things. And one episode, he was, he was at a school investigating a murder. And uh, he makes one of the gym teachers mad. And, and the gym teachers threatening to beat him up. And he told him, he said, Monk, he said, when you least expect it, expect it. <laughs> and Monk looked at him like, that don't even make sense. What are, you, what are you talking about? He said, when you least expect it, expect it. That's kind of like Jesus coming back. When you least expect it, you better be expecting it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 24 said, that for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. We got to be watching for Jesus we got to be watching for the return of Jesus. Amen. 
We can know the seasons. We can know the time. We may not know the day or the hour, but we can know what season we're in. We're living in a time where seasons are changing. The time and the hourglass is running out. The Son of Man is closer, coming is closer than ever before. I've heard it preached all my life, but it's closer now than it's ever been. I I believe that with all my heart. But how can we expect Him when the Bible says that the coming of the hour we do not expect? How can we expect Him? We expect Him because we trust and believe that He's coming back. We have to believe that He's coming back. We live our lives so many times as, as Christians and just think, yeah, we're living for God and, and think, well, Jesus is, yeah, He's coming back sometime, but, you know, we live like we're never going to see it. I believe I'm going to see it. I believe I'm, I'm of the age, and if you're younger than 53, I believe for sure you're going to see it. I believe you're going to see it. The first part of that verse though, helps us out. It says, be ready. How do you expect, how do you expect God when it, the Bible says you can't expect? Be ready. Be ready. Hallelujah. That's simple. Be ready. I tell that to Shelly all the time. Be ready. We're leaving at this time. What am I doing? I'm waiting. Be ready. I'm excited for the life that God's given us. This world's a beautiful place that God has created us and allow us to inhabit. I enjoy living in this world, but I'm not satisfied in staying in this world. If all my hopes were in my family, if all my hopes were in this church, if all my hopes were in this world, I'd be miserable. I'd be miserable. But I have good news. We have promises in the Bible. We can stand on and know that God will never let us down. Our church, our boss, our family, our friends, and sometimes even our spouses will let us down. But God never will. He's made us a promise. He's coming back. He's coming back. Listen to this promise from Jesus. It's in John 14, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. We live in such a troubling time. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. If you're watching on Facebook today and hearing me here in the auditorium, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Hallelujah. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I've seen one commentary that says that Jesus has went and he's supervising the building of your mansion. Some of you in construction of any kind, you understand superintendents are not the nicest people in the world. But if they're a good one, they get the job done. Jesus is the best, and he's going to, first of all, he's good, but he's still going to get the job done. Hallelujah. Verse number three says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's preparing us a place that we can go and be with him. There's problems. That, and again, what I said a minute ago, life is good here. I enjoy life. I enjoy uh, my wife and my kids and, and our church life. I enjoy all these things. But you know what? It doesn't compare to heaven. It doesn't compare to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus. I'm looking forward to an event that we call the rapture. The church calls it the rapture. I know that the word rapture is not in the King James Version of the Bible. But listen to what First Thessalonians says in verse, or chapter 4, verse 13. It says this. But I do not want you to be ignorant. Wow. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be dummies. 
But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Okay, we understand that. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Praise the Lord. Are you listening for a sound from heaven? The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And verse number 18 says, therefore... Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. In verse 17, the phrase caught up is used. In the Greek, it's pronounced harpazo. And I hope that's right in all my Greek training. I hope that's all right. Meaning to carry off. Caught up means to be carried off. Grasped hastily. I have did that a few times to my boys. They get in bed, and they're in the, the onesie sleepers when they was kids, and we have that big old water bed. And, I mean, I, I can go the whole night, and I don't even see Shelly. She's way over there. But when we had them babies in the bed, they would somehow I had a back, a, a foot right here in my back all night long. I'm, I'm like, looking around at that whole bed. I'm like, there's, there's plenty of room for more babies down here, but they got to have their – so I pick them up by the sleeper and just toss them down to the end of the bed. Grasped up. Grasped. 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 Hastily is what it said. Snatched up to seize or overpower. That's what caught up means. From this we get our word rapture, meaning the act of transporting as harpazo is used. And it's used in Matthew 13, Acts 8, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 Thessalonians 4, and Revelations 12. To put it in simple terms, the rapture of the church is when the saints of God will be taken out of this world to meet the Lord and Savior in the air. Hallelujah. If you're a Christian, you ought to be looking for that day. You should be looking for that day. It's when Jesus comes and takes his faithful home. Hallelujah. The rapture refers to the sudden removal of all of God's people on the earth. We're supposed to be, and we're going to be, if we're in Christ, translated. Translated. How many ever watched Star Trek when you was growing up? I did. I, I'm talking about the original, the old ones. Captain Kirk was, uh, oh, I forget his name now. Uh, what is his name? William Shatner. William Shatner, the old Captain Kirk. We have another Captain Kirk back here. I'm talking about the original Captain Kirk. We're going to be translated. I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, beam me up, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I believe that. Some days, that's when I, when I was driving the other day, when I drove yesterday to Fort Smith and back, you know what? I'm going to have to start a bumper sticker company. And it'll say, you know, some of the remarks will be stuff like, use your cruise control, different things. I put my cruise on, and I'm going along. I fly by somebody, and I'm just riding along. I'll get back over in the right line. Next thing I know, that person I just passed flies by me, and I'm like, what are they doing? They get in the right lane. In a few minutes, I'm right up on their bumper, and I had to get over and go around again. And, of course, most every time I go around, they're sitting there on their phone doing something. Boy, if I had a badge and Barney's gun, I'd be pulling people over right and left. <laughs> Citizen arrest. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what I'd be doing. I don't even know how I got off on that. But. Bumper stickers. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, 52, in the twinkling of an eye, born-again Christians will suddenly be transformed out of our human bodies and will rise into the air to join Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I believe life and time on earth is shorter than we can even imagine today. Sometimes we get to thinking about things, well, we got this that going on this week. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We have next week, next month, next year. Jesus is coming back. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm just saying you need to remember. You need to be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. From this old world, he's going to translate us to our heavenly home. Heaven, the place that Christ himself is preparing for you and I. From a place of wickedness to a place of holiness. From a place of sin and shame to a place of beauty. From a world of strife to a place of unity. God is going to take us from imperfection to a place of perfection. From a place of sadness and gloom to a place of joy and happiness. I can hardly wait until we trade this temporary for the permanence of God's presence. Hallelujah. From a place of tears to a place of happiness forevermore. From bad health to a place where sickness will never touch us again. We will trade our sorrows, hurts, and scars for a place without any pain. We're talking about a city that needs no electricity because the Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is going to return. We will be caught up or raptured in the air to meet him. And sadly, so many people won't be ready. Sadly, so many people won't be ready. In our text, Jesus refers to the time of his return as like that of Noah's days. Mankind had been, become so vile that God decided to destroy them. How bad does they have to get before God says, enough's enough? I could have titled that today, enough's enough, because I believe we're living in the same days. I believe we're living in the last days just like Noah's days. I do believe that. Judgment from a holy, righteous, powerful God was on its way. There was time to escape over and over, but they were too busy to pay attention. Does any of this sound familiar? They were just doing normal activities. After all, nothing like this had happened before. Here you have Noah telling them there's going to be a flood. They're thinking, it hasn't even rained. What's a flood? They can't believe it. There hasn't been a rapture yet either. Well, of all the saints, there's been a couple of them taken up. But you know what? It's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. In the middle of this vile, ungodly, morally corrupt, sexually explicit world, God had a family. God had a family who had not caved in to the pressure of the day. Hallelujah. He still has a remnant today. It's not all bad news today. This is not a bad news sermon. There's some bad news about what happened in Noah's days. But you know what? There's still a remnant today. There was a remnant in Noah's day, and him and his family was saved. There's a remnant today that's going to be saved and be in the rapture. Hallelujah. In all the world, God, God saw one righteous family. Through only one family, God, uh, only one family was serving God. It was enough for God's love to save them when judgment came. And while Noah was a member of the society around him, and while it was evil, he and his family maintained their walk with God. It is possible to serve the Lord even in a wicked world. 
It is possible to live for God in Greenbrier when there's so many that's not. It is possible to live for God when your family members are not. It is possible to live for God when your family members are a bunch of drug addicts, alcoholics, no good for nothing, cussing you up one side down the other. I'm sorry, does nobody have family like that? You can still live for God in them situations. You can still live for God in them situations. Hallelujah. We don't have to give in to temptations. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's right or that you should be doing it either. That's usually the way us humans are. Well, they're doing it. Well, if they're doing it and they're Christians, they can go. I heard a preacher talking this week. He said the word Christian is not found in the Bible, but was it two times? Or was it found at all? I don't even remember what he said now about that. I've never studied that out. But he said what he's seen over and over was saints. Saints of God. I'm going to start calling people saints. Because the way people do it nowadays, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, but they hold no standard. They don't live for Jesus. But they say they're Christian. Because we're in a Christian nation, everybody's a Christian. But are you a saint? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One family serving God. Everybody else was in rebellion, but they weren't. And while Noah was a member of the society around him, he kept strong to the Lord, just like we need to be. We're told three things about Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a man of integrity who was influential in his generation, and Noah walked with God. If you're saved... It means you're going to have to be different from the world that you lived in, that you're living in right now. You've got to be different from them. No one can participate in everything that's true of the contemporary culture and follow Christ at the same time. There's too many things in this world going on, and people want to follow all of them and still claim their, their salvation with the Lord. Come out from among you, among them, and be ye separate. Hallelujah. We have to determine that our lives will be His and will not belong to the world. We have to walk in the ways of the Word and instruction in biblical principle. Noah is a good example of, what, of that right there. And we have a lot to learn from him. He was a righteous man. And what does that mean? It isn't saying he had righteous moments. It's also not a statement about his popularity. A righteous man is usually not popular. It means he was in right standing with God. Are you in right standing with God today? Are you in right standing with God today? Righteousness is not what you put on or what you take off. Righteousness is being right with God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days out of the year. Are you right with God? Young people, are you right with God today? If you died today, do you know where your soul is going to go? Are you living in righteousness right now? 2 Corinthians 6, 17 said this, Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I mean, you could ask a lot of questions. Well, what's unclean, Pastor? You know what? God gave us a lot of sense. He did. He gives a lot of, There's some things maybe somebody doesn't understand is not right. Most things we understand between right and wrong. Lord, help us. As surely as God kept his word back then, he would surely keep his word in the future with judgment too. The great tragedy of this story is that so many people died that didn't have to. In the days of Noah, 
God had opened up a window of opportunity for over a hundred years. hundred years. Even there at the end, seven more days. God was given opportunity. The fact that people scoffed at Noah's message demonstrated their hard-heartedness. They didn't want to hear about God. They didn't want to hear from God. They didn't believe in God. When the people saw the animals coming to Noah, they should have seen something's going on here. He's got this big boat now. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's crazy and everything. He's built this big boat. I don't understand. hundred years he's been working on this thing. I'm just thinking maybe I was smarter than what they were back then. I don't know. But I'm seeing animals walking into that thing. I'm like, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. I'm just saying. How many today ignore the message of salvation and the coming judgment of God too? We hear the word of the Lord. We hear it preached. We understand it. And yet we walk the other way. In essence, we're watching the animals get on the boat and still thinking it's not going to happen. The people had seen for so long through the eyes of sin, they could no longer hear from God. That's a sad statement. The wicked were so used to being wicked that they did not see their need for salvation. They thought they were okay and that Noah was weird. I'm sure Noah was weird. Most pastors are. That's the same place, though, the church is in today. That's the same place where the world is at today. Men's thoughts today are continually wicked, just as they were in Noah's day. And God judged the world because of man's evil thought pattern. He did. We have never seen a day when our world was any worse shape than it is now. Whatever is good, the world calls evil. You don't have to watch the news, but like... Two or three minutes, you're going to find this out. Whatever's evil, the world calls good. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we th- see the world news. We see what's going on around us. We, under- we, we rationally thinking Christians wonder, How in the world, Brother Scotty, can they believe what they're saying? How in the world can they believe what they're doing and think it's right? It's easy. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. They believe it in their heart. They forgot about God. They're not living godly at all. They're not righteous. So what are the outwardly things today that tell us the thoughts of man? I'm glad you asked me. What men read today and watch today for entertainment tells something about the morality of our society. What used to be found in the back alleys in America and hid away in man's heart is now paraded down our main streets. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Sin used to be shameful. What used to be sacred is now sacrilege and the butt of jokes. What used to bother and embarrass us is now considered entertainment. What used to amaze us that someone would do or say something now amuses us. I think I broke my glasses. I heard my dad say that one time. He said we were, he was watching TV and God told him, he said, my church is watching and being entertained by things that I hate. Be careful what you're watching. Be careful what you're letting enter into your spirit. Hallelujah. Our value system has been warped and twisted. It shouldn't surprise us, 
because Jesus said there would be a moral decay and a decadence in our society before he comes back. He's coming soon, church. He's coming soon. What used to repulse us is now acceptable. What God finds detestable, we're entertaining ourselves with. God has not changed, though. His word has not changed. And what once was sin is still sin. Matthew 27, 30, or 24, 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We are so close to the return of Jesus, church. We're so close. We have to stay ready. That's our job is to stay ready. We can't afford to let up, shut up, or put up. And I, I put some things together here. We can't afford to let up in our relationship with God. We cannot afford to let up with our relationship with God, constantly pursuing God's heart and will. Hallelujah. We can't afford to shut up in the call to our great commission to win the world to Jesus. Don't let anybody shut you down. Don't any, let anybody shut you down. And finally, we can't afford to put up with sin, not only in our life, but in the world's life. No compromise. We're not putting up with compromise. We're going to live as close to God as we can get. We're not going to live on the fence and see how close I can get to sin and still stay saved. Who's on the Lord's side? Choose you this day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We can't afford to shut up. We can't afford to put up with sin. And whatever the other, we can't afford to let up in our relationship. Hallelujah. Matthew 25 and verse 1 says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Verse number 9 says, But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. Go buy your own oil. I'm not loaning you any. That's what they're saying. Don't you wish I'd interpret the Bible for you? And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, open, open it's us. Open it up to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Here's a lesson for us. It's a lesson. Notice that the bridegroom, they were, notice that the, some of them, they were asleep. It says they were all sleeping, is what my Bible says. And they become drowsy and fell asleep. And the bridegroom came at midnight. No one was expecting him. The oil in this story here represents the Holy Spirit. So those that had the oil in their lamps and were full were ready when they heard the sound. The virgins who had no oil have been so many have been exposed. And, and, and I've got this out of a commentary that says this. The virgins who had no oil may have been those who have been exposed to the gospel but chose not to respond. You've heard the gospel. Are you responding to the gospel? It's one thing to see it. It's one thing to read it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to act on it. Be obedient to it. Live in it. 
Lord, help us today. Help us. This is a warning. This is a warning to those who have heard the gospel preached but have not responded. You've heard it again today. You've heard the gospel again today. You need to respond to it. Any delay may be eternal regretted, uh, be regretted by you, and maybe it's the reason why Paul and many others in the Bible said this right here in 2 Corinthians, uh, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. We can't keep putting this off. I'm finishing up. It's 12.01. McDonald's won't let you sit down anyway. When Christ returns, we have to be ready. We have to be ready or we're going to be left behind. Because if you die in your sins, this is the truth. If you don't hear anything else today, if you die in your sins, young people, if you die in your sins, you have chose your final destination. Let me read you guys something. I, I just feel drawn to you guys. Pay attention to me for just a second right here. I want you to hear this. Matthew seven thirteen says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. What Jesus is telling us right here, it's easy to do what the world's doing. It's easy to do what your classmates are doing. It's easy to do what other students or maybe even family members are doing. But it's hard and difficult to follow after Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's a difficult way. But you know what he said about the difficult way? There's life in it. There's life in that difficult way. The, the wide path, it leads to destruction. People walk in blindly, keep going on, not realizing. Let, let me tell you guys one more thing, and I'm going I'm to quit. In these two verses, we didn't find the words heaven and hell in them, okay? We didn't see them there. But Jesus uses two common synonyms for them. Life and destruction. Heaven or hell. In them, he points out the two truths about heaven and two truths about hell. Heaven is the eternal place of life. And also heaven is the path, the path to heaven is narrow and only few find it. The first thing about hell, he says, it is the eternal place of destruction. And the way to hell is very wide and most people take that way. According to Matthew 25 41, the everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. So think about it. Hell was not created for you. It was not created for you, but you make the choice. You make the choice. Heaven or hell. Can I tell you something else? You're going to live forever. You are going to live forever. You get to choose where you're going to live. Heaven or hell. It's that simple. Would you stand with me?